chilling greetings everybody thank you so much for stopping by and making paranormal prowlers podcast part of your day those tunes you just heard are as always courtesy of the amazing bobby mackey and i of course am your host tessa morrow now please bear with me when i was in chicago i got really sick lost my voice Getting it back, but still not quite there. So it is Tessa speaking, just may sound a little different. You know, I really hope everybody's New Year has been a great one so far. Mine started off kind of rocky. You see, as you know from the last couple episodes, I was in Chicago with family for about three weeks. And I was to fly back to North Carolina on January 3rd. And I just need to share this because it's like scene out of a movie. You know, the night before my flight, I get a text from my boyfriend telling me, quote, if you end up sitting next to a guy that looks like John Candy, run! (laughs) Now, for those who've seen the hilarious movie, one of my favorites, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, they know exactly what he means by that. I get to the airport for my 11.23 a.m. flight at Chicago's Midway Airport, a little before nine in the morning, and I get to my gate where we all play the waiting game. Been there, done that, blah. Damn, it's super foggy out, I think to myself, and suddenly a voice blares on the intercom speakers telling us that we have a delay. Now it's set to 12.43, then 1.30, then three o'clock. So you see, our plane was circling the runway, but since it was so foggy and midway, is sort of known for its extremely short runways because it's right in the city, it could not land. So it goes to O'Hare. <laughs> and it's at O'Hare where it would remain. We were screwed, basically. So I had a layover in Atlanta. And with the new departure time, I would now be missing that damn layover. So I got my flight changed. And suddenly it changes to 5, then to 6.30. Then they completely call it quits for that day and change it to 7.40 in the the following morning. Defeated and wanting to kind of scream and cry and yank my hair out, I wait in line to completely cancel my flight. It's my turn in line after waiting for quite a while when the employee says that she's needed elsewhere and to go across the airport and wait in this other line. It's like, are you kidding me? So after waiting two hours in line, I finally get refunded. My poor sisters who had dropped me off earlier in the day, have to drive an hour, you know, totally enveloped in the fog and pick me up. Now, even though I canceled my flight, I see the next morning via phone text that my 7.40 a.m. flight was delayed. I, I had no patience for that, and I was grateful that I actually canceled the flight. But uh, I know a lot of people had flight plans that were changed or canceled, and for that, I'm very sorry dealt with it. It's so just blah. So I end up driving 16 hours back, which was no fun. And while at the airport, before things got completely turned upside down, I use a airport food voucher to get a burger from Billy Goat Brewery. The name seemed appropriate for that specific day, the Cursed Burger, (laughs) because that day was definitely a damn curse. 
I cursed that day and everything about it, but looked around and had to remind myself everyone was stuck in this shit storm, you know? I mean, I had befriended a few people that were sitting with me, like two girls who had to cancel their trip to Amsterdam. The woman I befriended who was late, beyond late, to get to her husband who was sick in Florida. The sweet girl who just wanted to get home to her family, but was disheartened with all these delays. Anyways, crappy start, but here's to a new and fresh beginning. And please, no more planes, trains, and automobile situations. You know, once I got to North Carolina, back to um, the house, my boyfriend admitted to me that he knew I was stressed out and didn't say it, but in his head, my favorite line from the movie kind of lingered. There's no way on earth we're going to get out of here tonight. <laughs> We'd have more luck playing pickup sticks with our butt cheeks than we will get the flight out of here before daybreak. Favorite line of the movie, and I was actually thinking about that all day as well. We'd have better luck playing pickup sticks with our butt cheeks than getting the hell out of here. So, you gotta laugh, but also you wanna cry. <laughs> The Houston Zoo opens its doors and begins welcoming animal lovers in September of 1922. The zoo is home to 55 acres worth of several phenomenal exhibits like the Sea Lion Pool, the Wortham World of Primates, the Texas Wetlands, the Reptile House, and that's just naming a mere tiny handful. You know, by 1925, the zoo had over 400 animals. Most were captured by the zoo's first zookeeper, a man named Hans Nagel. More on him in just a moment. Now, today, the Houston Zoo is home to well over 6,000 creatures, including the Black Mamba, the King Cobra, the Eastern Bongo, the Swift Fox, and the Clouded Leopard just to name a couple. Hans Nagel, Houston Zoo's very first zookeeper, was born in 1892 in Germany. Now, while he came from Germany, he would often tell people that he was actually born in Texas. Hans knew from a damn early age that he wanted to work with animals and trains in the Hagenbeck Animal Company in Germany. People, they flocked to the zoo to not only see the magnificent creatures that called it home, but also Hans himself. You see, he was not your average zookeeper. <laughs> no, far from it. Not Hans Nagel. He was a lion tamer. He was a wrestler of gigantic man-eating snakes. He was a dancer of the elephants type of fellow. He brought his A-game to the zoo, and people absolutely gobbled it up with anticipation and excitement. He had weekly lion-taming shows. One time, he saddled up a zebra and rode it around the zoo. And one time, he transported a bear from Port Arthur to Houston, which is about an hour and a half drive. The bear was not secured in a cage or anything. I mean, what an interesting ride that must have been. Now, you better believe it wasn't all fun and games. Throughout the years, Hans Nagel experiences several different types of mishaps, accidents, 
and injuries, some almost costing him his life. Here's a little timeline, if you will. In 1922, the Houston Zoo opens, and Hans takes on the zookeeper role, the very first one to do so. In 1924, Hans Nagel is involved in a dangerous encounter with an alligator and suffers a pretty nasty bite. This incident leaves the wild zookeeper in the hospital for about three weeks. And just the following year, that being 1925, he is injured by a monkey and a raccoon. Sometime in 1926, a North Dakota park official named Bert Wilson is visiting the Houston Zoo. And for reasons unknown, he stupidly enters the tiger's enclosure without being allowed to do so or invited to do so. And he comes face to face with the zoo's beloved Bengal tiger, El Tex, who lunges at Bert, who finds himself in El Tex's jaws. Hans Nagel, who was always armed, manages to shoot the tiger, and for that, the North Dakota man's life is spared. Why he walked into this tiger enclosure that day, we may never know. But what is known is that due to the so-called park officials' unprofessional actions, a gorgeous creature, that being the Bengal tiger, is killed. No, the creature did not escape its enclosure or hunt down an unsuspecting person. No, he was simply in his enclosure, and an intruder entered, and the rest is bloody history. Hans was awarded a gold medal for this life-saving action. In 1928, Hans is injured when a five-ton elephant steps on him. <sighs> Ouch. And in 1931, he is attacked by a leopard. Other close calls includes the time when Hans was in the fight for his life with a furious 450-pound lion, and if it weren't for his quick thinking assistance, heroic actions, he surely would have been killed by this lion. And other injuries, they include scratches and other attacks by the following. The badger, zebra, bear, porcupine, tiger, and several other types of creatures, large and small. There was one time when he was once again fighting for his life. This time the culprit was a gigantor of a python. As it proceeded to squeeze the life out of the zookeeper, and I believe it was biting him as well, the only thing that this desperate man, that being Hans Nagel, could do to save his own life was... <laughs> yeah, that's right, folks. He bit the snake. In his own words... Pythons have murderous teeth. I grabbed him behind the head. The pressure around my neck was getting tighter and tighter. Finally, I decided to use a method of my own. I bit him. And at some point, the Houston PD gifts Hans Nagel with commission as a special police officer. During this time, he is also appointed as Houston's animal catcher. And as the animal catcher, he would go on to do just that, capturing all types of creatures, big and small. One includes a bobcat on the loose that had been searching for prey along the banks of the Buffalo Bayou, more than often eating stray dogs and cats. 
He's also lassoed a loose lioness and ropes in a escaped bull elk. Never a dull moment for German zookeeper Hans Nagel. During his time as animal catcher, several upon several concerned folks made up a petition that involved the animal whisperer himself to remove several large aggressive alligators that had taken up residence in, I love this name, Dead Man's Lake. He took his jobs seriously and knew that they could be dangerous. He always carried a pistol on him and was ready for really anything. Besides everything he did for the zoo, he also guarded it. Many a times he would chase off intruders and would-be trespassers. He guarded the Houston Zoo and one fateful night, it would cost him his life. When you see someone like Hans Nagel, you may think, I bet that man will die from a feisty alligator or a ferocious lion, or a rowdy tiger, or an anxious elephant, or something of that sort, right? The man dances with death every single day. Surely that will be his demise. But no, it was something far worse. And it all starts with a car of rowdy teenagers, and a concerned zookeeper, then a park patrol officer, One chilly mid-November day in 1941, it's after zoo hours, and there's a car filled with teenagers at the zoo. Hans has been through this before. Who are these trespassers? Why are they here? What are the intruders' intentions? Perhaps one was dared, no, double dog dared, to go into one of the exhibits, perhaps still one of the smaller creatures. Concerned, as I would be too, Hans hides behind a set of bushes, and he watches the car intently. Officer Harold Warren, he approaches the scene, and he sees Hans hiding and watching this car. Instead of approaching him, asking what he's doing, or walking up to the car that shouldn't be there and asking what they're doing, he walks up to the car of trespassers and asks them if they know that they are being watched. And it's at this time that Hans emerges from the bushes. Officer Warren, he demands Hans, the zookeeper, to go to his squad car once, telling Hans that he's taking him in so they could discuss whose business it is to police the park. It's after this short encounter that things get dicey. It's said that Officer Warren begins to handcuff the longtime zookeeper and animal catcher, and, like, the special police officer that they made him, who, I guess, he begins to resist, as he believes this to be a wrongful arrest. On what grounds is he being taken into custody for? He surely was not trespassing. He was doing his job. What were these kids doing here? That's the bigger question. And it's said that Hans begins to reach for his sidearm. The officer sees this, and he shoots the zookeeper dead, One, two, three, four, five, five, no, six. Six shots. Warren goes to trial and is found to have shot the zookeeper in self-defense, and he's eventually acquitted. One article states this, quote, According to one of the depositions, Hans steps back, reaches down for his sidearm. He never gets it out of his holster, 
Warren pulls his service revolver and empties his weapon into Hans Nagel. He shoots him six times, and Hans falls over dead at the scene. Unquote. For years before his untimely death, there was somewhat of a feud between the zoo-keeping Hans and the Houston Police Department that patrolled Herman Park, where the zoo was actually located. Was this a way to get rid of Hans for good and make it look like a case of self-defense? Or was it truly a self-defense moment and Officer Warren truly felt that his life was in danger and he had to take him out? Hans spent his time here at the zoo. Since the year they opened, in 1922 up until his sudden death in 1941. He loved it here. He spent much of his time here and it is here at the Houston Zoo where he died. So is it that much of a shocker that his spirit is believed to still roam these zoo grounds, still keeping an eye on things and chasing away would-be intruders? Many people have reported to hear a man's disembodied voice. Many believe it to be the zoo's first zookeeper, Hans Nagel. Several reports from employees seeing shadows darting and dashing about in the zoo's commissary, which, by the way, was not there during Hans' zoo days. But now it stands, this commissary, in the spot where he lost his life. So it makes sense that he may haunt this specific area. I know I sure as hell would. I found one account of a zookeeper that shared online several different things. One is that she starts her day around 3.30 a.m., often being the very first person there. Quote, you hear a lot of activity in Cooler E. It sounds like pots and pans, somebody trying to put two things together, making just lots of noise. Unquote. One time this particular zookeeper, she sees an apparition and she describes this incident. Quote, I usually keep the lights out when I'm here by myself. I happened to look and there was a smaller guy just leaning against the doorway looking at me. And I looked again and it was totally gone. Unquote. She shares another time when she was alone and washing dishes and suddenly out of nowhere feels a hand gently touching her shoulder. And she shares yet another incident, this one involving a pallet that had 50 large bags of food for the animals on it. The pallet was so heavy that a forklift was needed to actually move it from here to there. Well, one day it was there, then the next it completely vanishes. It seems to me that this particular zookeeper may have had so many encounters with who is believed to be Hans Nagel because perhaps he is very comfortable with her. She is a fellow animal lover, and while she may not be a lion tamer like he once was, he knows that her intentions are good and that she helps the animals, and he trusts her. That's, that's what I assume anyways. It's like, you know, he's comfortable with opening himself up and letting his presence be known to her. So next time you are at the Houston Zoo and you see a small framed man walk by, especially by the zoo's commissary, just know that it may be the zoo's very first zookeeper, Mr. Hans Nagel, reporting for spiritual duty. Did you enjoy this week's episode? Yes! Listen to the others. They are equally awesome. Haven't heard 
every single one yet? Really, there's no need to cry, my friends. Just head on over to any of those spectacular podcast platforms, such as Player FM, CastBox, Blueberry, Spotify, Apple Podcast, Pocket Cast. Wherever you may roam to hear your other spooky podcasts, you'll probably find Paranormal Prowlers Podcast lurking in the background. This week's special city shoutouts go to Edeje. Spain, the Canary Islands, Coimbatore, Indonesia, Blue Ash, Ohio, Bloomington, Illinois, and Brattleboro, Vermont. You guys, thank you so much. It's greatly appreciated. Do you have a story of your own to share? Maybe you haven't seen your state, city, or country on an episode, or have a spooky topic you would like to see. Perhaps you have a local haunt that you just need to have on here. Please do not hesitate. I absolutely adore suggestions and recommendations and having people on. Find me on the Paranormal Prowlers Podcast Facebook page, or you can email me at paraprowl at gmail.com. Thanks, guys, and we will see you next week. Woo, that hurt.